Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So every night, uh, Ellis and I, my my two and a half year old son, Ellis, every night we do a, a long, complicated bedtime routine together. If you're a parent, uh, you might have a bedtime routine too. There's a lot of weird in it, a lot of sweet there are a lot of kind of odd things that we've kind of picked up over the last couple of years. Uh, it's honestly, uh, it's a liturgy, right? We do it every night. We both know how it goes. It is a liturgy. We get him dressed. We brush his teeth. We read a book. Uh, and uh, and then we do prayers. I really like doing prayers, not just because I'm Pastor Josh, but because they're just the sweetest. He says stuff like, thank you, God, for dinosaurs. And thank you, God, for Daniel Tiger. I'm like, that'll work. That's fine with me. Uh, and it, it's so good and sweet. And then at the very end, every night at the end of his bedtime routine, we listen to the same song. And we've been listening to this one song every night uh, for like 18 months in a row. So a lot of nights. And I'm talking about every night. If somebody else watches him, if my mom is there, puts him to bed, they listen to the song. And uh, what he's been doing is he likes to sing the song really loud, like really loud because he's having a great time and he loves the song and he's listened to it like 500 times. So he sings the song really loud. And I've told him so many times how good his singing is that now as I'm holding him or listening to the song, he's singing it really loud. As soon as the song ends, he likes to whisper in my ear, that was great singing. And it is great singing because he loves to sing and he sings really loud and he sings silly and he sings free because no one in the world has ever told him that he's not a good singer. No one has ever told him that if he did this or if he did that, that he could be a little bit better. He, he feels no need to improve at all. He's not comparing himself against anyone else's singing. He's just free and he loves to sing. And really, all kids love to sing. And kids love to do art. Remember when you were an artist? No embarrassment, no shame, no comparison, just freedom. This Lenten season, we're, we're having a conversation about moving from fear to love. And, and I've been telling you every week that we need this transformation from fear to love because to know love is to be fully human. I'd like to say it twice every time I say it. To know love is to be fully human. And today we're going to have a conversation uh, about moving from fear because fear hates vulnerability, but love sings. Fear hates vulnerability, but love sings. Fear, fear hates being totally honest and free. It's fear that drives our embarrassment and our shame. Fear hates vulnerability, but love sings. Love is open, honest. Love is free. No shame. I think singing is a good way to describe that because for most of us, singing out loud in public as an adult might be one of the most embarrassing things for us. Fear hates vulnerability, but love sings. Open, free, no need for improvement, no comparison. And today is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week the end of our Lenten journey. And, and for many of us, uh, Palm Sunday comes with a familiar story. Today, we're going to read that story from Matthew chapter 21. 
Starting in verse 1, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, in Galilee. So there's a lot happening, a lot of really consequential things. But I think, and what I really want to focus on today, is that ultimately this is a story about vulnerability. And a story about what I would call a spirituality of powerlessness. And it starts with Jesus. Right? This is titled, maybe in your Bible, if you opened up a physical Bible uh, to Matthew chapter 21, it might be titled, The Triumphant Entry. It's an entry into a city. It's framed, the story is framed as a kind of parade that would take place for a military leader or a royal leader, for a king or a military leader, a general. It's, a, it's supposed to be a triumphant entry, but you could imagine it kind of with quotes around it, like, triumphant. Because there, there are shouts of praise, songs, and this crowd, they lay their cloaks and their palms down on the road to form kind of an ancient Near East red carpet for Jesus. It's kind of like a military parade, except this leader doesn't ride in wielding weapons on a horse or with a chariot. Jesus rides in on a colt, a small donkey. It's not very intimidating. It's not very triumphant at all. It's humble and it's vulnerable. It's a holy reminder, I think, that God's mission in the world was and is never conquest. It is always compassion. This is a symbol of powerlessness. And then this crowd, they are chanting. They are literally singing Psalm 118 as Jesus rides in on this donkey. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And Hosanna means save us now. Save us. It's a call for salvation and wholeness and rescue from oppression. Save us now. That is honesty, humility, vulnerability. It's a song of powerlessness. I need saving. Help me. And the palms that they wave, that we wave on Palm Sunday, they are a public display of powerlessness. It's a symbol of powerlessness, right? And this spirituality of powerlessness is at the center of the story because powerlessness is the starting point of all healthy spirituality. This is what Richard Rohr says about powerlessness. He says, life ensures you have numerous opportunities to encounter your powerlessness. Self-made people and all heroic spiritualities will try to manufacture an even stronger self 
by willpower and determination, to put them back in charge and seeming control. This pushy response does not normally create loving people. Rather, it produces people in in an ever deeper need of control. Powerlessness allows you to stop holding yourself up so you can be held. There, wonderfully, you are not in control and only God needs to be right. That's a whole sermon right there. A spirituality of powerlessness says you don't have to manufacture willpower or determination. You don't have to be in control and you don't have to be right. Powerlessness allows you to stop holding yourself up so that you can be held. I'm going to say that again because that's good. Powerlessness allows you to stop holding yourself up so that you can be held and maybe you need to be held today. This is the central message of our gospel. This is why it's good news, because we don't have to hold ourselves up. But it is hard to grasp. It's hard to explain powerlessness as a practice, and it is even harder to live out. Do you see the upside-down, backwards nature of this? It's the upside-down, backwards nature of all of the kingdom of God, of the teachings in the way of Jesus, that we surrender to win, that we die to live, that we give it away to keep it? Or do you feel that powerlessness is the ethos, it's the rhythm pulsing through the kingdom of God and the way of Jesus? But it is very, very, very easy to forget. It's so easy that over and over and over again, through time, God's people have chosen power and control over humility and compassion. Even though powerlessness is the rhythm pulsing through all of, of, the, of the kingdom of God, through the way of Jesus, through the nature of God and our world, even though that is the rhythm pulsing over and over again, we have forgotten and we have chosen power and control. And throughout the scriptures, the people of God are called to be a holy minority, not a powerful majority. I've told you that before, that the people of God in the scriptures, and the church today is called to be a holy minority, not a powerful majority. That that means we are happy with our place in the world. We're not seeking control, conquest, domination, none of that. We're a holy minority in the world called to bless everyone. It says in the scriptures, David writes, that we don't trust in chariots or horses. We don't trust in military power. None of that. But once again, just let me just let me let, let, let me get into this for a minute, okay? Well, once again, the church of Jesus, the people of God in our culture, in our space, have been seduced by the siren song of political power and financial gain. And too often, The church has been convinced that if power and control are the ends, then the means are justified no matter what. So we've said, should we intertwine our theology with political ideology and political leaders? Well, as long as it gets us more power and control. Should we assume that American military dominance is the arm of the Lord blessing the American church? Well, as long as it gets us more power and control. 
Should we enmesh ourselves with the messages of white supremacy, racism, and homophobia? Well, as long as it gets us more power and control. Should the ends always justify the means? Well, as long as those ends get us more power and control. The church has forgotten its role in the world as a holy minority, never a powerful majority. We practice the way of Jesus, that though some may desire a state-endorsed military leader, we don't trust in chariots or horses. That through humility and powerlessness, vulnerability and compassion, the church exists to bless everyone. And after Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey instead of a horse, after he washes feet instead of raising an army, after he's arrested with no resistance, and after we see that sacred act of powerlessness, when Jesus humbles himself to death, even death on a cross, after all of that humility and compassion, vulnerability and powerlessness, Jesus is resurrected. He comes back to life. And he shows up in John chapter 20 to his disciples. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. How does Jesus show the glory of the resurrection, the presence of God? He does it by showing them his wounds. The symbols of powerlessness. How do the disciples recognize their Savior? They don't know it's Him until they see the scars, the signs of His humility. Jesus is carrying with Him the full weight and power of the resurrection, the full power and presence of God. And the way we can tell it's really Jesus, the way we see the way of Jesus in our world is by the symbols of powerlessness. This is our song. Fear hates vulnerability, but love sings and powerlessness is our song. We are not on a journey towards more power, more domination, more conquest, more control. We join with the crowd. We wave our palms in holy vulnerability. We sing to our humble King. So for you, what kind of spirituality are you practicing? Let me go back to that roar quote in your mind, right? Heroic spiritualities are about willpower, determination, control, and a need to be right. Willpower, determination, control, a need to be right. Maybe that's what your spirituality is defined by. But powerlessness allows you to stop holding yourself up so that you can be held. Which one are you practicing? A heroic spirituality or a spirituality of powerlessness? Do you have to be right? Do you have to be in control? Listen, I wonder if you're safe enough to be powerless. Right? This spirituality of powerlessness, of humility, of vulnerability, it requires safety. None of it works if you don't feel safe enough to be who you are. And that's why fear hates vulnerability, right? Because to open yourself up in this way, it requires safety. And fear says, you're not safe. They won't love you. You don't belong. Right? But love sings. So I just wonder, are you safe? Do you have a safe space? Maybe if you don't, you might consider our community a safe space for you.
to sing, to be yourself, to open up, to embrace this spirituality of powerlessness. And then I just wonder how you could put this into practice this week a little bit, right? How could you sing this week? Maybe not actually sing out loud, but how could you open up with no shame, no comparison, no embarrassment, just freedom and love, no control, no domination, freedom and love in the world. How could you practice this spiritual act of powerlessness? Maybe it just starts by noticing when you need to be in control when you're grasping for it, or when, or when you need to be right, maybe every time you correct someone this week, maybe just make a little mental note of that. Or, or maybe you could notice what happens when you lose power or control. How do you respond? Notice, right? It's that act of seeing it, noticing, feeling it. That's our first step towards transformation, that, we, that we're uh, able to really see ourselves. So maybe this week you could just notice, how many times do I need that power and control? What happens when it's out of my grasp? What do I do? Right? The Palm Sunday story is a story of vulnerability, a story of powerlessness. Right? The king on a donkey and the crowd with their palms. And we join in the song because fear hates vulnerability, but love sings. We've talked a lot about powerlessness today. Listen, I believe that rejecting the spirituality of willpower and determination and embracing powerlessness as a way to be held by God, I believe that that is the foundation of our religious practice, of our faith. I believe it is really step one for us. I believe it. But listen, sometimes... Sometimes we confuse being powerless with being worthless. Sometimes our our religious leaders, our teachers, have confused this on our behalf and have told us that our depravity, our wretchedness, is the foundation of our faith. But listen, hear from me today. Being powerless does not mean you are worthless. In the moments in my life, when I have faced my own powerlessness, in the the moments of grief and pain and confusion, when I am very clearly not in control anymore, those moments of intense powerlessness, they are not and were not an, an indictment against my worth. In fact, I think those moments for me and for all of us where we face our powerlessness, those moments are a reminder that we are worth being held. When we finally stop holding ourselves up, we are caught, embraced, held by the love of God. And that is a holy reminder that we are worthy that we are loved, that we are treasured. Listen, we are embracing a spirituality of vulnerability, of humility, of honesty, of powerlessness, but never, never confuse being powerless with being worthless. So gather, this is my prayer for us today. 
Embrace a spirituality of powerlessness, never forgetting your call to compassion, humility, and love. Sing and sing loud. Be free of shame and comparison. Your honest and vulnerable self is exactly what we need. Stop holding yourself up and finally and fully be held. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.